late today and I still feel the sting of the pain but I brush my teeth anyway I got dressed through the mess and put a smile on my face I got a little bit stronger this is not the first time I've opened an episode of this podcast with an excerpt from a song that is not the focal point of the episode, so hopefully if you've been listening to this point, that beginning is not too jarring. But even if it is, what a way to start. Waking up in the morning, brushing your teeth, getting dressed, finding a way to put a smile on your face despite everything that's going on, all the pain that may be in your life right now, whatever this pandemic has done negatively and feel like all of us have felt it to some extent in various ways. You know, I've heard a lot of people say a great way to try to stay sane, try to stay healthy, stay productive during these times is to maintain a normal morning routine. Make your bed, get dressed like you're going into work, even if you have to telework or maybe if you're not even working at all. So that certainly is relevant in the context of this song, reminding us that that's a great way to start any given day and put your best foot forward as you open up a new 24 hours of life. But I think more important to that is the decision that you make when you get up every day to see the day ahead as one of value and to say, I'm going to make something good out of this and I'm going to let the pain and the suffering, whatever that means, whatever I may be going through right now, make me a little bit stronger. Let's see if we can keep making that decision each and every morning. Welcome inside Brett's Play-By-Play List. I'm Brett Williams. Thank you for joining me once again today. This has been a lot of fun to this point. We are approaching the second month milestone of this podcast. Started back on March 14th. Been adding one song every single day to a playlist on my Spotify account, taking it all in 1317. That playlist is entitled Brett's Play-By-Play List, Volume 1, COVID-19 Sports Hiatus, trying to put a song that may inspire us, may speak to what we're going through in some way, relate to current events, whatever we can do to keep us going throughout these very uncertain and unsettling times. And we're going to end this playlist when sports come back. I'll talk a little bit later in this episode how I envision that, because I think over time, as we have all learned in various capacities, there isn't going to be a flip of a switch. There's not going to be a single day, a single moment when Really, anything is back to normal. It's a gradual process. So I have a few ideas about that, and I'll revisit that near the end of this episode. In the meantime, this song that you just heard, A Little Bit Stronger by Sarah Evans, is what I was listening to on Monday, May 4th, and put in the playlist as a result. I love this song for a lot of reasons. I love at the beginning of the chorus as well that the singer just acknowledges there's some bad stuff going on right now that we can't change. Of course, in the context of the song, it's dealing with a breakup and, and working through that feeling and, and trying to get stronger as a result of it. But at the same time, I think we can glean a lot from it. I'm done hoping that we can work it out. I'm done with how it feels, spinning my wheels, letting you drag my heart around. And I feel like I've felt that way about this pandemic to a certain extent because I've kept thinking, well, maybe we can get this back or maybe this or maybe something will improve the situation and we won't have to be in this boat for too long a time. We just don't know. And I'm done trying to figure it out and I'm done worrying about it. I'm just going to make the most of whatever each day brings. And when we get back to normal, we get back to normal and we can look forward to that. In the meantime, we can stay safe, stay well. And as I always say, stay together. 
So an important point to realize, I think, from this. And I also realized something else a couple days later, Thursday, May 7th. I feel like I've been fighting against something. I don't know if it's fear, anxiety, stress, what it is, shock. I felt intense shock for several weeks after sports got shut down and my job ended. I was you know, right in the heart of the busiest part of my year, March Madness, college basketball, and all of a sudden the entire rest of the sports calendar got wiped out for the near future uh, as of March 12th. And I, I, it took me a number of weeks to process that. I'll be totally honest. I'm probably not alone in saying that. But this whole time, as I've been home with family and seemingly with, quote unquote, nothing to do, I've tried to find and I have found a lot of things that I needed to do, hadn't had time to do before. And I've just been working and grinding away and at times feeling, to use another Sarah Evans lyric, as I mentioned a minute ago, spinning my wheels. And it was starting to take its toll on me. And it has various days through this. And I took a minute to look up at the sky, watch the clouds for a few minutes, try to figure this out, settle a little prayer. And the words of a good friend of mine came back. I had talked to him on the phone a week or so before that happened. And he had said, we all need to give ourselves space during this time because we are all processing this in different ways. And there are a lot of negative feelings that we're having to deal with, whatever that means to us. And that's okay. And so we may think we are chasing a different demon, something that has to do with, oh, I, you know, my to-do list or, you know, something that seems independent of the coronavirus and the situation we're in. But ultimately, we are affected by this on some conscious and or subconscious level. So that's those anxieties are to be expected. And that's OK. We have to give ourselves that grace. In other words, That is Don't Be So Hard on Yourself by Jess Glynn, an artist that I absolutely love. She's got a number of big hits that have uplifting messages and congruently upbeat melodies. There's a lot of joie de vivre in the sounds of Jess Glynn. Love listening to her. And this one is a particularly great one to listen to during these times. A couple other songs from this week reflect some traditional celebrations that we are having to find new ways to enjoy during these times. But as you've heard, if you've listened to me discuss St. Patrick's Day, Easter, some of the celebrations that we've had to this point since all of this has begun, I've discussed those on previous episodes. I'm big on tradition. My family has raised me that way. And I'm a big believer that we always have to find things to cling to throughout times of change, times of great transition in our lives and through times of difficulty. And so what better way to do it than when a traditional holiday or celebration comes up to treat it with the respect that we normally do, even if we can't gather en masse to celebrate it or go out to our favorite places or whatever it might entail, find some way to make it happen. And so the two, of course, that I'm talking about for this week, Cinco de Mayo and then what happens tomorrow, Mother's Day. Now, Cinco is like St. Patrick's Day in the sense that, as was discussed way back on episode three of my podcast, feel free to listen back to that if you'd like. It's another one of these holidays that a lot of us here in America have tended to take some liberties with, shall we say. First of all, as we often forget, 
It is not Mexico's Independence Day. It is not the most significant holiday by any stretch in Mexico. It celebrates a victory for Mexico over France in 1862 at the Battle of Puebla. It's not everything we make it to be, and it certainly is not this excuse, if you will, as that's pretty much what it is, to drink and carouse and party. As, again, St. Patrick's Day in many ways has turned in America into a drinking holiday, Cinco de Mayo very much the same way, just from an Irish culture standpoint to a Mexican one. But again, so many of us do celebrate this holiday in some way, shape or form. And sure enough, my family and I ordered takeout Mexican that night because why not? So might as well celebrate it. It's here. I guess if it, if it means drinking to you, well, have a beer, enjoy it. What the heck? Just drink responsibly. In any event. So if the U.S. takes some liberties with a celebration of Cinco de Mayo. I will take a little bit of liberties in the song that I have attached to it as well. That is Calma by Pedro Capo. I thought it would be appropriate to have a song in Spanish for Cinco de Mayo in this playlist, but it is not about Mexico. That's the liberty that I took. It is actually about Puerto Rico. Now, where I think it is beneficial to us, I think it captures along the lines of Blue Tacoma by Russell Dickerson, which is earlier in this playlist, and I talked about it on a previous episode. It captures what some of us may be doing right now, and I think beneficially so, is dreaming of better days. It can't hurt to dream. We have to look forward to something when all this is said and done, and it may not be this summer, who knows when it will be, but there's going to be a time when we can get together again with somebody we love on a beach and enjoy it. What you just heard, the start of the chorus, let's go to the beach to cure your soul. It continues the entire song is this tribute to the beauty of Puerto Rico and the tropical lifestyle and spending time with your lover down there and just enjoying. So hopefully it helps us with a little bit of an escape, which after all is Probably how Cinco de Mayo gets treated a lot of times in America. Again, it's just a party holiday, some reason to go out, have a drink, enjoy time with friends. And even if we had to do that a little bit differently, hopefully it still provided some degree of escape for everything that we're going through right now. As for Mother's Day, if there were ever a time to be grateful and express that gratitude to our mothers, to our grandmothers, to our mother figures in our lives, this would be it. Perhaps a lot of us, myself included, are back living with our parents during this time, have at least visited them during this time, and are experiencing that and getting a chance to reflect on the love and the sacrifice and the kindness and all the wonderful things that our mothers have done for us in our lives. And even if for those of us who can't see their families, who may not have seen them in a very long time. I know there are a lot of situations where you don't feel comfortable visiting your loved ones due to potential exposure. If you've been traveling, if you're an essential worker, et cetera, and so forth, and you don't know, and maybe you don't want to take that risk or they don't want you to take that risk, that that's a very fair concern. And, and that's even more unsettling. But whatever your situation may be right now, this is the time to reach out, show that gratitude, do whatever you have to do. So this Mother's Day might be the most important one of our lives to date. Of course, that being said, it don't gotta be Mother's Day or your birthday for me to just call and say, I want to so loud for you, because I'm so proud of you. 
that was the end of the final verse and the start of the final chorus to Hey Mama by Kanye West, one of many songs about mothers and their love that I could have chosen to celebrate Mother's Day. But I like this one for all the different ways that Kanye offers tribute to his mom, Donda West, everything from making him homemade chicken soup to make him feel better, training wheels for his bicycle, clawing her way through life as a single mom, raising him, giving him everything that he could need. And it's just a a wonderful tribute throughout this entire piece of him just giving shout outs to his mom. As he says, you know, as you heard there, I want to scream so loud for you because I'm so proud of you. I appreciate what you allowed for me. How true is that? So thank you, Kanye, for a great example of showing that love to our mothers and again to our grandmothers and all maternal figures in our lives. Last two to get to before the focus song, Marry You by Bruno Mars, I put in on Wednesday, May 6th, mostly because I was invited to watch a wedding on Facebook Live uh, by a good friend of mine from college who got married. We're seeing a lot of that. I had seen another friend post pictures from that a couple days prior. We're seeing a lot of different ways that people are getting creative with their pre-planned weddings and delaying the celebration, but still finding a way to have a special ceremony for uh, their closest loved ones and maybe broadcasting that and getting some love over social media. So just seems like it's something that a lot of people are doing right now. And even though the song Marry You wasn't really ever intended to speak to true lifelong traditional marriage. I mean, the whole song is we're looking for something dumb to do. You know, it's it's kind of this, hey, we're out in Vegas. Let's just go get married. If we break up tomorrow, so be it. But it has become, in our day and age, a song associated with proposals and weddings. I know a good friend of mine got married some years back and had that as one of the songs that people dance to after the fact on wedding day. So it, it just goes to show it's been used. And again, something that is becoming a reality for so many people these days, how to deal with pre-planned weddings, I thought that this still was appropriate to put into the playlist. Is it the look in your eyes or is it this dancing juice? Who cares, baby? I think I want to marry you. And finally, in a very similar way to Holding Back the Years, something that my previous guest Wayne Diesel suggested for this playlist, which featured the mantra, I keep holding on, here it is again. This time, minute by minute. So the question then to us becomes, how many minutes will we have to hold on until we get our lives the way we knew them back? Or until we feel safe going out in public places again? How long will we have to hold on? How many minutes Maybe 525,600 Well, that would be a year doing some quick math. Hard to say, but that could very well be the case. Again, I go back to we were told from the get go 12 to 18 months to a vaccine and seems like the common acceptance is that the vaccine is going to be the cure all for this. There are various theories, both directions on that. I'll leave those for another time and place. So that's quite possible. So if we do have to wait 525,600 minutes, what if we think about them as... 525,000 moments, oh dear. That would help a little bit, now wouldn't it? 
either way, this is certainly taking our lives and throwing them a curveball of tremendous proportions. Whatever we thought we were going to be doing in May of 2020, it wasn't this. And for however long this goes, it's changing the way we're going about our business and in many ways interrupting the lives we wanted or the lives we thought we would have. I don't mean to say it's taking a year or however long off of our lives. That would be an exaggeration. But it is a year that we can't get back that isn't what we wanted it to look like. So this pandemic ultimately forces us to confront a key question. How do you measure, measure a year? Well, thankfully, from the source that we've derived that question and the previous lyrics you heard, we also get an answer. All of this, of course, comes from Seasons of Love from the 1996 Broadway musical Rent. It is Rent's signature song that stands alone both essentially metonymically for the entire show. I think for a lot of people, when they think of Rent, they think of this song and it becomes in their mind almost a symbol of the show itself. And secondly, in the context of the show, it's a different sound, different theme than a lot of what else is explored in Rent, and yet it is intrinsically tied to the message and the nature of that show, just like it is for the situation we find ourselves in now, in a very unusual season of our lives. How do we measure it? How do we remember it? I've got the perfect person in mind to come in and shed a little bit of light on this song, what it means in the context of Rent, and what it means in the context of life. And that is my good friend, Claire Malky. Claire and I attended St. Stephen's and St. Agnes School, our high school back in Alexandria, Virginia, from 2009 to 2013. She was always involved in the theatrical productions, our stage one players, as we called them, and went on to college to pursue a career in acting. She currently finds herself in Chicago, not only acting, but pursuing comedy, a love that she has discovered since making that move out there. She does some improv. She does some stand-up. So she's got a lot of the performing arts covered. And I know this song, this show, mean a lot to her. And I'm very excited to hear her thoughts on all of this. A couple other interesting notes very quickly about Claire. She and I, along with Hope Ogden, my guest from the aforementioned St. Patrick's Day episode of this podcast, are together the class correspondents for our high school class of 2013. That means we are the three people charged with keeping everyone in touch with one another and connected to the school, disseminating important news and information, gathering updates from them to put in the school magazine every year and again just trying to keep our family of 111 people together so claire and hope and i have been in very close touch for many years and i'm very blessed to have both of them offer their perspectives on this podcast and lastly it's tradition at our school that during our weekly chapel services seniors get to give the homilies our senior year, Claire was one of the ones that got to give a homily. That was in October of 2012. And she talked a lot about journaling and what journaling meant to her and said something that stuck with me for a very long time. We shouldn't stop remembering the great times of the past. That's why we keep a journal in the first place. 
And it really spoke to me then because I'd just gone through a really, really exciting month of my life and I was disappointed to see it end. And so she reminded me, you know, write it all down, remember it, savor it, be happy that it happened. You can't get it back, but it doesn't take away what it meant to you. So enjoy that. And I've had to remind myself of that on many, many occasions, including during my freshman year of college, which, as you may recall, if you've listened to previous episodes, is the year that I have chronicled in detail in my senior thesis about music and transitions of life, a lot of which has informed this very podcast. So in the thesis, I was writing about a time during freshman year when I was reminded of Claire's homily and that line. And having to just say, you know, we can't get these great times back because they only happen once, but we can treasure those memories and we should hold on to those memories. And that's an intrinsically good thing. So in times when we may be disappointed by great times having passed us, let's look back and savor them and be grateful for them. And so true enough, that quote that I just gave you is, in fact, in my senior thesis. So along with Wildshut, Setakitas, Bacho, some of those authors that I cited during my last episode, and of course, plenty others as well, Claire Malkey is, in fact, in the bibliography of my senior thesis. So how appropriate to have her on a podcast, greatly informed by it. Without further ado, here's Claire. Well, Claire, welcome inside Brett's Play-By Playlist. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm really excited. I'm just as excited to have you. You know, we've had a lot of interesting guests so far and a lot of people from the different niches of the arts and entertainment world. We've had dancers. We've had other actors. We have had different musicians from different genres. Uh, I've had another sports broadcaster on here. And so I really thought that you'd uh, provide another great perspective from that regard and also have the comedy side to work into this as well. So very interested to see how all this unfolds. Yeah, me too. I'm super interested to see where our conversation leads us. Well, let's start with your journey from Alexandria to Hofstra to Chicago. So a little about me. Um, So I went to high school with Brett um, at St. Stephen's and we kind of like ran in classes together. And then I ended up going to Hofstra University for college and I got my BFA in theater arts performance, which was like the name for it. Um, But basically that broke down into classical acting. So the Shakespeare, Greeks, Tennessee Williams, or your classical acting. Um, And I really got a good grounding in a lot of classical acting techniques and ways to apply those into film and television and other mediums. And one thing that our professors were constantly telling us was create your own work and make your own moments and make everything happen, which was kind of the antithesis to what they were teaching us because we were learning about Shakespeare and all these like great playwrights. Um, And my college was right outside of New York City on Long Island. And everyone basically moved to Manhattan after college and pursued um, acting there. But I actually, the summer after graduation and the summer before in 2016 and 2017, I had worked at the Contemporary American Theater Festival in Shepherdstown, West Virginia, which is actually only about like an hour and a half from Alexandria, Northern Virginia area. And it was so crazy because I remember driving there and I'm driving from like metropolitan DC, Virginia, big highways to smaller highways to smaller highways to this like tiny back road. And I was like, what have I gotten myself into? Like, where am I? Welcome to West Virginia. Yeah. And this tiny small town. Shepherdstown. I highly recommend to visit it anytime you get the chance. 
um, and they put on this theater festival that's all new plays, all new works. And there was a huge team of interns. There were like 60 or 70 interns. And it was so fun because everyone was drawn to art in a different way. Like there were designers, there were actors like me, there were people on the management side. And my second summer that I went back, I was, you know, oh, I'm going to move to New York City after all this is done. Like that's where I am. That's my thing. And then one of my friends from college, she texted me and our like group chat and was like, hey, um, I'm actually going to move to Chicago at the end of the summer, just to let you guys know, because we were all supposed to like live together and everything. Hmm. And then um, I kind of thought about it. And I was like, what if I moved to Chicago? And one of my friends in West Virginia, she was like, well, Claire, like last year you came to West Virginia and you didn't know anyone. So if you moved to Chicago, I'm sure you would be fine. And so um, on Father's Day 2017, I sat my parents down and I was like, I'm moving to Chicago. And they were like, what? Like, we thought you were going to tell us like something crazy. Like you were like, I don't know, changing careers or something. But yeah, so I moved to Chicago in October of 2017. And I got a job working at the night staff at the Second City, which is where Tina Fey, Steve Carell, uh, so many big names came out of Second City, and I just got a job working there because I wanted to be around theater people. So every night I was watching live comedy happening right in front of me, improv and great writing, and you know people were coming in like famous people. Um, I actually got to work a show that uh, Steve Carell came and watched, so that was really That's cool. Awesome. And with that job, we got to take classes for free. So I started taking improv classes and writing classes. And I met some amazing people. I met my improv team and they are, uh, we're called Agent Carol. And we do basically an improvised bond type, uh, improvised espionage, we call it. Nice. Um, And then from there, I started getting more improv auditions and book shows and book shows in sketch comedy, which is like your basic, basically like an SNL sketch. That's the idea. Um, So basically you start on the stage and then you, that's that's the big, the big goal. And so now I am working in Chicago, living here. Um, I'm not working right now, obviously, but before all of this, I was set to do um, a children's theater tour this summer, and I was supposed to do a show at Second City with my improv team, um, a sketch show. And so now I'm also working on my podcast um, as well, and that's sort of how I got to where I am today. That's very cool. I mean, when you're rubbing shoulders with some of those greats, I mean, you're obviously in the right place to launch a career from. So that's uh, that's an exciting prospect. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt, too. I was like, if I don't take advantage of this opportunity that's been given to me, I feel like I've missed out on something. So what was the point at which you decided to make that pivot formally and, and really try to pursue that comedy side of this business? So Second City, every year we have our holiday party in January after the holiday rush. And I don't work at Second City anymore, but I worked there for about a year and a half. You have have the improv team is just, even though you're not working necessarily on the staff there, you still work, uh, you perform there. Yeah. So when I was working there, I wasn't um, performing professionally. I was just basically waiting tables and bartending and kind of all the nitty gritty back corners of Second City. I, I had so many random hats that I would wear there on the night staff. But they have this tradition where the night staff parodies the main stage and the other theater is called ETC. And then there's the Up Comedy Club that does shows as well. So they have a, a tradition where they do the staff show, they call it. And 
my first year, the staff show was like, it was like nothing else I've ever performed in. So we would only rehearse after our shifts at Second City and granted our shifts on the weekends went to like two in the morning. Mm -hmm. So we would rehearse all night and like parody the sketches and have these inside jokes. And then at the holiday party, so it's just a one night show, the theater is packed. It's like literally hundreds of people, breaks every sort of fire code, like (laughs) drinks are spilled everywhere. And um, I did a sketch and in one of the opening numbers and I got a bunch of laughs from it. And it was so crazy to me because when I went to Second City initially, I was like, oh, I'm an actor. Like, I'm very serious and I do Shakespeare and like, I, this is kind of below me. And then I think I, uh, there was a dumb joke that was one of my lines and it got so many laughs and I felt so good. And I was like, hey, I can do this. Like, I have the acting toolbox that I have through college and now I have this new toolbox with all these new people I'm meeting and everything kind of rolled from there and I was like let me get in some classes let me take some writing classes and I think now that you asked me that question I really feel like that was the moment where I was like this is kind of what I want to do because it's the best of both worlds and so now you've got like you said you've got the improv side that you do you've got the sketch side I know you were telling me before we started recording the night that your goals are changing all the time but right now as of this moment how do you see those two and your future kind of unfolding ideally Two of my uh, big idols are Bill Hader and Kristen Stewart, um, along with Mindy Kaling and a couple of other people who I sort of look up to. And basically what they started as, they were really hilarious comedians, and now they've started doing more serious work. I just recently rewatched Bridesmaids, which is actually kind of a sad movie um, if you really watch it. And I also love that movie because it takes place in Milwaukee and Chicago, which are two of my new favorite cities. But basically what I want to do is I want to act, but I also love writing. And I also love the new side of producing that I'm coming in contact with, with my podcast and writing. So I would love to, in my dream life, be an anchor on one of like the Tonight Show or The Daily Show, one of those like late night TV. I'd love to be like a recurring person on one of those and then ultimately host one. Uh, I have this running joke with my with my friends that I'm like coming for Jimmy Fallon's job. <laughs> so that's sort of where I see myself in like my later career. And then, you know, after I would leave that, then I would go be in movies and be like the lead and everyone would be like, oh, I didn't know she could act. But I'd be like, fooled you all along. I was Shakespeare trained. Nice. Uh, but I also have this big part of me that wants to pursue activism and really empower young women and empower people that haven't had the opportunities that I've been given in my life. And also just help people feel like they really can stand up for what they believe in and that they have a voice. You know, we live in America. We're granted so many things just by living in America. And I want to help people understand kind of what they have at their fingertips and what they can do. And so that's been a big drive, too, in my life. And that's why I started my show, Sit Still, Look Opinionated, about, you know, women are, I I even feel this in my improv communities and that there aren't a lot of women that I encounter and that my last improv class that I took before um, all of this started, I was one of two women in the class. And I was like, this is crazy. Like, how am I one Mm -hmm. of two women? Um, So that's been a big drive in my life, too, to help women and uh, help people stand up for themselves. That's great. 
So uh, it's perfect time to, to talk a little bit about that podcast. Uh, people who listened to my last episode know I, I mentioned it at one point. I love what it is. Tell us a little bit about what your whole approach to that show is. Uh, thank you. Thanks. I'm happy to hear that. So I work at a gym and I encounter a lot of people who are similar to me in my background, having gone to college, been college educated, but are sort of hands off when it comes to politics and are sort of like, oh, you know, that's not, I don't really know a lot about that. Um, especially everything that happened in the fall, I would be talking to my peers and my coworkers and they'd be like, oh, you know, politics, they're not really for me. Like, I don't even know the difference between the Senate and the House. And I was like, what? How do you not know the difference? And they'd be like, yeah, you know, like, it's just not, eh, whatever. I was like, you know, I can understand, you know, you don't wanting to cause conflict. And I feel like there's so much conflict when it comes to talking about um, politics and what happens. And like, I even feel that too myself where sometimes I'm like, Ooh, you're in a, you're my boss or you're an an adult, even though we're all adults and I don't, I don't want to engage in conflict. So I had this thought, I was like, what if I make this approachable to people my age and people like me and other young people So I was like, okay, what if I do a podcast that's like a comedy show, but also like goes into a topic every week and just kind of like you were talking about it. And I wanted it to be punny and funny. So my podcast is called Sit Still, Look Opinionated, kind of a running joke on Sit Still, Look Pretty. Mm -hmm. Um, And I even think back to my life, like I took cotillion and, you know, the thing they they tell you in cotillion, girls, you know, you sit pretty, which is like your, your knees crossed and your hands on your lap and guys sit strong where that's like their knees are like out forward and their hands like on their knees and ready. And I don't know why that's always kind of sat with me. Hmm. Um, So then I had this idea for the podcast and our tagline is getting 20 somethings to talk about politics with the same confidence they talk about the bachelor. Because, you know, my my friends, they'd be like, oh, you know what? Like, Peter's so stupid. Like, how did he do that? Like, that was so dumb of him. And I'm there, too. Peter was the worst bachelor ever. He should not have been on The Bachelor. Um, but I want my friends to be able to feel empowered to just talk freely about politics. And, you know, if you don't agree with someone, that's fine. You don't have to agree. I don't even agree with my boyfriend on everything about politics. We are, have very different views. But that's sort of where my focus has been right now. That's going to be a very interesting thing to see if somehow, and I, I feel like I've been racking my brain and I'm, I'm definitely not the only one who's done this for the last number of years now is figuring out how can we shift our culture politically to the point where people all understand it the way you've just articulated it. Because I've always said the whole concept of we are better when we learn from one another and when we yeah. not even certainly compromise is part of it, but it first of all, you have to actually get to the point where you're willing to listen to people with different perspectives than your own and then get somewhere as a result of that. And so hopefully things like this can start those kind of conversations whereby it turns not into this just red versus blue nonsense where we don't get anywhere and we're just trying to defend ourselves or we can actually sit down and listen and then realize perhaps how we can defend our own views even better by understanding where the other people are coming from and knowing that that's okay. That is exactly, you just nailed the head, nailed it right on the head because that's all that I, I mean, it's a very lofty goal I have, but if I can at least help people my age, then maybe they can help you know, whenever we eventually have children or we are talking even with our friends, I just feel like there's so much hate in the world. And if we can just take some of that out and yeah, 
learn something from your neighbor. Um, I, that's exactly what I am trying to do with this podcast. That's awesome. And give, and give people the tools to say, I did do the research. I do have the things to back it up, but I do want to hear your opinion because maybe I can learn something from you. Well, there you go. So whatever platform you're listening to my show on, chances are Claire's show is also on that said same platform. So sit still, look opinionated, check it out. Plenty of great content there, and I'm excited to keep following along with that as well. So, again, you've kind of set me up for a beautiful segue here because you're talking about hate. So let's talk about love on the other side because at the end of the day, as has been well documented and as one of my songs in this podcast specifically talked about, we are all in this together, this particular situation. And so we have to show that compassion to one another. And as a result of that, one of the songs that I've been wanting to put into this podcast for a long time, just kind of finding the right opportunity to do it was the question, uh, is Seasons of Love from Rent. And before we dig into the song itself, I want to just set up my kind of context and where I'm coming from with this, first of all. So, I have never been a huge fan of the sung-through musicals. And and this is something that my friend Damian Leverett, who was my guest on Episode 5 of this podcast, he's probably not going to be too happy when I say what I'm about to tell you. You probably won't be either. A lot of, lot of uh, actors may have some issue with this. but So I saw both Les Mis and Rent by Damien at McLean High School, way back in our high school days. And although I very much enjoyed both of those performances, and, and McLean, as you probably know from your Cappy days and stuff, they, they had quite the, the operation over there. But I did not experience what he has told me and a bunch of other people have talked about as the Les Mis effect. This, mm-hmm. this thing where you just kind of get sucked into that atmosphere and it's just like, oh my God, this is an unbelievable show and I'm not entirely sure what just happened. For me, the part that I'm not entirely sure what just happened is why I sometimes struggle with those particular musicals. Because mm-hmm. to me, when everything is sung, sometimes it's hard to follow the plot. And so for me, like I'm a huge fan of musicals otherwise. Uh, because I, I I don't no problem. I know some people have issues with like breaking into song suddenly. I don't care. That's life. That's I mean heck. I've got a podcast about that basically. <laughs> but uh, but sometimes I I lose the bridges in between on some of those shows. And so I say all that to say I don't know a lot about Rent. Even though I've seen it. Even though this song is is fantastic and several others from there are. It never really stuck with me. So let mm-hmm. me first ask you this. Can you put Rent in a little bit bigger, broader context, the significance of that show? Because it was, you know, it ran on Broadway for 12 years, extremely popular. Jonathan Larson was uh, an inspiration to Lin-Manuel Miranda for Hamilton, for example, and many other ways that that, that show has uh, captured culture. So just uh, put it in a little context for me, if you don't mind. Yeah, definitely. Um I sort of know what you're saying, though, about the song through musicals. Every time I am going to see one or I'm going to listen to one, I kind of have to prep myself. I'm like, okay, everything is in song. Like, this is basically a concert with movement. Um, So I don't think you're alone with that. Um, And every time I've seen, like, Les Mis or one of those shows, I'm like, okay. Even when I saw Hamilton, I was like, "This this is all singing. Like, you have to be aware. But the thing about Rent is that it brought the scope of the New York City at the time, because New York City in the 70s, 80s, even into the 90s was not a very nice place to be. It was, there were so many drugs and gangs and violence and prostitutes everywhere. It was a really kind of grungy city. And Rent really is showing the 
underbelly and the what life was like for artists at the time. It wasn't glamorous. It wasn't beautiful. They had these diseases that were not, you know, thought were real. Um, Rent deals a lot with HIV AIDS, which was a huge crisis and still affects people today. It's still a big deal. And so Rent really told everyone to wake up and was like, this is really happening. Like people are dying. Um, and these are people that you might not think as good, you know, the, the starving artist or someone who is a prostitute or someone who's a drag, um, drag performer. And it really brought those things to the forefront and said, Hey, like we matter too. Like these are our struggles and we're part of this country. And that's what really kind of turned Broadway into what it is today. You get stories about people from, um, you know, people's stories who aren't heard. And that is something that Rent really did. And it really shows that like you, you can matter and you can, you can make a statement with a musical. It doesn't just have to be pretty. And, you know, when you look at older musicals like Oklahoma or Kiss Me Kate or some of those like golden age musicals, everything's sort of glossed over and there's a happy ending. Like Rent doesn't have really a happy ending. It kind of ties it up, but you know, people die in that show and not, not in glorious ways. So that's, what's really important about Rent. And it was also the sound was so different. Sometimes I even have trouble listening to the score because it's jarring and, but it's also beautiful at the same time. I like that. I mean, here we are in a time where, and, and it's, it's safe to say all the time, but especially in these times of crisis where art is so critical. And mm-hmm. if we lose, I mean, and, and again, you and I and so many of the people I've talked to on this podcast are, we're having our lives significantly affected by this. Yeah. And Yet at the same time, we have as much of a responsibility now as ever to do things that continue to engage with people who, you know, may be lacking hope right now, who may mm-hmm. not see the light at the end of the tunnel. And so to tell a story like that, it may not be HIV AIDS, it may be the coronavirus, what we're dealing with now, but we're, we're dealing with we're that and we have to find a way through that. And so how, how appropriate for this. I was really reflecting today a lot. I was doing a lot of research on the show on Jonathan Larson because I didn't really know much about him. I knew and one of the tragic things about Rent that a lot of people may know, may not know, is that Jonathan Larson died the night before the show opened, which is crazy to me. Like just thinking about shows that I've worked on or people that I know that, you know, put their heart and soul into their their new works and to never see it is just. Yeah. Um, I was reading a lot about like the performers having to deal with the excitement of the show growing, but also the grief that comes with losing someone and the work that Jonathan Larson really did to understand what people going through AIDS and HIV would feel like. There was a couple lines about uh, he would go to these support groups, even though he didn't have HIV AIDS, which is like a big misconception. He died of a, like his heart basically burst. And I'm not, one of the people said, they're not afraid of dying, but they're afraid of losing their dignity. And so that's like a line throughout the show too. And it, I really feel very connected to the show right now after just listening through it today, because we are all going to be responding to this coronavirus in one way or another. And art holds a mirror up to nature. So I'm, I'm sure these stories of struggle are going to be seen. And I, I hate to, I don't know how to phrase this, but I, I've lost my job because of all of this, but my life hasn't really changed that much. Like I, I'm healthy. My family's healthy. I'm in a safe place. 
but I know there's people in my city in Chicago who are struggling and I know artists are going to be reaching out to tell those stories and make those stories heard. And Rent, I think, is just going to inspire my peers and my fellow creators to say, this is an emotional time and we have the capability to say, hey, listen, like, we want to tell this beautiful story. I think Rent right now is, could be more, more beautifully portrayed than ever. You know, we all need something to cling to. And, mm-hmm. and whatever that can mean for each person, perhaps this is it. And I think it's a beautiful illustration of that. You know, Seasons of Love is interesting because it's, you know, you bring up the, the passing of Larson the night before. And, and from what I understood on some of the research that I did coming into this is it actually got moved to the beginning of the second act of the show because that happened. He originally had planned it to play during the funeral of Angel later in the musical, but it got moved and it, it almost has its standalone capacity because you're coming back from intermission and then the, the whole ensemble is there going into this seemingly totally off, uh, not really off base, if you will, but it doesn't seem to fit, I guess, with the rest of the show. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but it has a whole different vibe, different sound than, than most of that. And so it really strikes you as this reminder to not only to love, but to think about the process by which you spend your days, right? How do you measure a year? How do you measure the moments that lead up to a year? Yeah, I was I was thinking about that a lot today because 2020 so far has not been the year it was supposed to be, you know? No. The Olympics were supposed to be this summer. We were supposed to be seeing, you know, debates and protests and people celebrating all these different things and this is not the year so how will this this year be measured um great question and i was really thinking about the word season and kind of meditating on on that word and seasons of love like sometimes it's hard to love people and sometimes you have a season where you are struggling to find that love and but how do you measure that um which is what the song talks about and so when I was thinking about the song, I was like, what, what is the season we're in right now? Like, this is a season where I think it's more important than ever to love. And if you need something, like, there are so many ways, even now more than ever, to look for that love. And this year is like none other. And just hearing that in that song, yeah, how, how do you measure? Is it in just a one little smile? Like, could that make someone's day so much better? Even even cups of coffee, like my favorite coffee shop is closed mm. and I don't know how long they'll be closed for. So you even little things like that, like in truth that she learned or times that he cried and bridges he burned or the way that she died. Like we, we've even had someone in our, our community, in our in our St. Stephen's community pass away from yeah. other things. But it just crazy how this year will be marked with all of those little things or, you know, maybe people have come to realizations during this time that they really didn't like their job and need to change and find a new, a new thing. Or, you know, I've, I'm sure, I mean, I've, I've had those cries where you just cry everything out and then you feel better and you're like, Oh, that had a purpose. And this song is, you know, remember the love, like, remember, remember that there is, there's love in this season and, if it goes away next season, it might come back and it probably will. I forget how beautiful this song is because it's a real meme in the theater community, like, <laughs> which is kind of sad, you know, because it's like, this song is so beautiful, but yet again, it's like, oh, Seasons of Love. I've heard it like a thousand times. So it was kind of funny to come back to that because when I fir- 
when you first hear those like first chords, you're like, oh my God, like I've heard right. every, I've heard every, you know, freshman in college sing the song at our talent show. And you're just like, oh, okay. That's <laughs> um, great. It's kind of a funny, funny bit about the show. Well, I've, I've always said that cliches and the same is certainly true of memes. They're there for a reason because they speak the truth. That's so true. That's so true. I love that. I mean, I think this song speaks to a lot of the themes that I've been talking about throughout this podcast. Certainly time and how do we make sense of time. Had a, the two episodes ago, Nathan Leach and I talked all about that. And then, mm-hmm. you know, like like you brought up about the moments that you learn from. And those are a lot of times the moments of suffering. Uh, a lot of times that's where the growth comes from. And, and I keep talking about how at the end of the day, we have to get better through this. We have to grow as people and remember what we learn through this that hopefully makes our world a much better place because at the end of the day you could see this as as a a hard reset of sorts for us individually and collectively and hopefully we treat it as such yeah i totally hear what you're saying and growth looks different for everyone and for some people this time really could be a time of reflection and learning what growth looks like to them well i wanted to ask you one question that uh, oriana fleming my last guest alluded to i thought it was very interesting what she said i asked her something you brought up a little bit ago you know how will this year this time be remembered she said i'm very interested to see what music what theater what visual art what comes out of this because those are the stories that we're going to carry with us and of course we have so many examples historically of you know major moments in human history chronicled through art so someone in that yourself, and what do you expect artistically to reflect back on this time that has changed the world as we know it? I am so excited for this to get to a point where we can laugh about it. Um, comedy, I have I have found, is so important to me, and I can't wait to see sketches written about this time. And I already know my friends um, who do stand-up, who are musicians, uh, a group of my friends we meet once a month. It was supposed to be in person, but now we've been doing it over um, Zoom and Skype and all those things. And we we sit down once a month and we're like, this is what we're working on. You know, what are your thoughts about it? And it has been so amazing to see the art my friends have been doing or the way they've taken a monologue from a different play. And, you know, this is the setting in this play. And then they turn it into something else and it has a whole new meaning. And, you know, there's that phrase that art holds a mirror up to nature so, and there's another meme slash thing that's been going around my Facebook that it's like, you say that, you know, acting isn't a career, that art's not a career, but what have you been doing right now? Binging TV shows, listening to music nonstop, you know, looking at art galleries online. And, and that gives me some hope because I had probably, I was supposed to do a tour this summer that I mentioned. I, I've probably had 300 shows canceled that I was supposed mm-hmm. to do. So it, it's really inspiring when I see my friends on the internet and, you know, over Zoom and everything creating because that's how we process. And if what we can do to help process can help someone down the line or even just help a friend that, like, I know personally, it's going to be great. And, I mean, I already have I already have some jokes for my next stand-up bit in my pocket. Um, one that I've been like working on writing is so my my boyfriend that I've been staying with he has a walk-in closet and his closet is so big that you can social distance inside of it so (laughs) it's so great um so just things like that that I'm really excited to see and just excited to go see live improv again because oh my god improv improv is the most amazing thing in the whole world 
it can be really bad. Let me put that out there. But it can also be really great. So I'm so excited. I'm so excited to perform again and see what my friends write and see what my friends perform. And um, I feel really honored to be an artist in this time because if I don't if I don't take advantage of this right now, then I I might be working through it my whole life. Fair enough. Well, mm-hmm. no matter what time it is, touching lives is why we do what we do. So that's that's great. Are we going to see any IG live stand up bits like you did uh, a couple weeks ago? I did do one a few weeks ago. I've been working on another one. Um, the The podcast has been taking a lot of my like writing juices. So, um, but I, I definitely should do another one because I have so much more material now that I didn't even get to do a few weeks sure ago. <laughs> well, I'll be I'll be watching for it. I wanted to see the first one. Something came up that night, then I lost it in the archive. So next time I will be all over that. Anyway, before I let you go, just wanted to uh, ask you, as I've asked all these other guests, something that helps us, again, tell its own story. I want this podcast to have its own uh, storytelling role as we look back and chronicling what it was like to go through this time and how music helped us. So what song would you like to see added to that chronicle? Um, I was thinking a lot about this because I love music. I originally wanted to be a musical theater major, so... Um, and I ended up being an acting major, so they're they're very similar. But uh, we were had been talking about Rent. I was like, you know what? I really want to do another musical. And one of my favorite songs from contemporary musical theater is Me in the Sky from Come From Away. And Come From Away, I don't know, you might be familiar with it, but it's about so. this uh, town in Newfoundland um, that all these planes, um, when 9-11 happened, they couldn't fly into New York, so they had to land in this small town in Newfoundland. And this song, Me in the Sky, I actually, I listened to it today and it just brought me to tears. Hmm. Basically, um, she's a pilot and she's grounded in this town and she talks about how much she loves flying and it's been taken away from her and it's been used as a weapon. And I really identified with the song because the first line is... Um, my parents must have thought I was crazy because I was one of those kids who always knew what I wanted. And I really feel that way. And she just kind of talks about how great her life has been and how much her flying has meant to her. And now she can't do it anymore. And I kind of feel like that, too, in a completely different sense. Coronavirus and 9-11 are not the same. I'm not trying to say that. But uh, they are basically the, these two anchors in, in my life because 9-11 happened when I was a child. And I've grown up in this post-9-11 world. And now I'm adult and a young adult dealing with coronavirus, and I'm sure it will carry over for the rest of my life. Um, so I, that song, it's really beautiful, um, and I, I kind of feel in the same way. Where you know I'm, I'm a performer, and being around people is what gives me life. And you know now that's been taken away from me. So yeah. it's it's a really great song, and it's a great musical, uh, and that one has dialogue. So. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Not a sung through show. <laughs> Sounds good. That's a little bit more up my alley. But yeah, as long as we're out there going after our dreams, you know, at the end of the day, I think there's some inspiration to be brought out of that too, or at least I hope there is. Um, because I, I think, as I've said many times uh, in different contexts of life, when we're doing what we are called to do, good things happen. Yeah. And Brett, I think this project you're doing is really beautiful, helping all of us process what's happening and process through other people's words. I appreciate that. This has been super wonderful, and um, I will definitely let everybody know on my show, too, to check out um, Brett's Playback Playlist, because this is super great. (laughs) Much appreciated. Thank you so much for joining me, Claire. It's a lot of fun. I have tremendous respect for anyone who is pursuing and living a dream, trying to better lives through that pursuit, 
and living with such hope. So thank you so much, Claire, for sharing your perspectives on all of this. And I really enjoyed that conversation. Also a phenomenal suggestion for another song, staying in the musical genre, which is something that really hasn't been explored too much in this playlist. Let's put another one out there, sure. I've never heard of nor seen this show come from away, but I certainly will try to pursue that, try to find some show of it at some point in time when we're able to gather in the theater again. I can at least listen to the score, but I'd love to wait to see it live at some point. But a very cool premise behind this story. And this song, Me in the Sky, is so appropriate for where we're at right now. First of all, I love the intrinsic message of this, and you heard Claire talking about it a little bit, going after a dream, which... Again, she and I both empathize with greatly. When we achieve that, there's no better feeling in the world. And it's expressed so beautifully in this song. Again, a woman who has dreamed her whole life of being a pilot, talking about her career progression and working through various barriers, sexism, criticism, all kinds of things that that she had to face and surmount to get into the cockpit and, and live her dream in that role. Well, before one of the choruses, she says, and suddenly the wheels lift off, the ground is falling backwards, I am suddenly alive. What a beautiful feeling. And it leads further and further as it continues to build, and she just gets into this euphoric state of what it means to her to be able to fly a plane. And we hear at the end of one of the choruses... I love that. Suddenly there's nothing in between me and the sky. Talk about a metaphor. It may be literal for her, but talk about a metaphor in our lives. How much do we always fight to that point where there's nothing between us and our dreams? We get there and we feel free. How about it? Great things to aspire to. But this song takes a very, very hard turn at the end. Because, as you heard from Claire, it's all about the way that 9-11 has thrown a lot of different things for a loop. And, you know, 9-11 has, if you've heard previous episodes, you know it has been referenced on occasion throughout this journey because, as Claire said, this pandemic marks our lives and changes our lives in a certain way that a lot of us really haven't experienced since 9-11. So even though it's, to a certain extent, apples to oranges, there's a very fair comparison there between the two, and I think that's a relevant point. So in any event... At the end of this, she's singing how everything is going along so well for her, but then she realizes that she can't fly, do what she wants to do, live that dream, do what she enjoys for an intermittent period of time. And the last three lines of the song are, suddenly I'm in a hotel, suddenly something has died, suddenly there's something in between me and the sky. I don't see that as pessimistic as much as it is just lamentation, and how much are we all feeling something like that? A lot of us going after our dreams, some of us living them, and to have that ripped away from us with no clear point of return hurts. It does. And even if that's not the case in time, as I said, I think a lot of us in some way are feeling just this feeling of getting hit by a brick wall. What are we going to do now? Well, as America did after 9-11, I have faith that we will bounce back and be able to do the things that we love again. So let's keep dreaming, and let's keep pushing, and we'll get there. So eight songs in the books, 
for this episode. That'll carry us through a couple more days here as I add Hey Mama tomorrow and Me in the Sky on Monday. And now where do we go from here? That's a great question. Most likely, and I say most likely rather than definitively because, again, so much changes every single day. Information we learn. Who knows what we'll know one week from now that we don't know now. But my intent at this point is to make next week's episode the finale of season one of Brett's play-by-play list for a couple reasons. First of all, again, the whole premise of this podcast has been trying to create something to help us cope with losses of so many other things in our lives, sports being one of them. Again, I am a sportscaster, so sports are not only my job, but my out, something that I always cling to during times of change and something that I and no one else has at the moment. And so I set this up as one song every day until sports return. Well, it's not as simple as that, as I said at the beginning of this episode, but we are seeing the return of some sports. UFC back tonight, live cornhole, live professional cornhole, which I've only seen bits and pieces of. I can't believe it's actually happening right now, but then again, I guess cornhole is not exactly a contact sport, and it's it's pretty easily done with a few number of people, so they're finding ways to do it and broadcast it. Lovely. Next week, we see the most mainstream sport come back. Yes, we're seeing baseball in Korea, but I'm talking about sports in North America, and that is NASCAR. I talked about that in the last episode. NASCAR is coming back next Sunday, May 17th, and there will be a lot of important races in a 10-day period. They're trying to cram a lot in to make up for time lost to this point. Even though NASCAR, I know, has a niche audience, it isn't as universally appealing as some of the bigger pro sports are, team sports are in America. It is going to be broadcast on network television. It is going to be something that's unlike a UFC where a lot of it is based on pay-per-view. It's not going to be quite like cornhole that just feels like one of these obscure sports that ESPN is throwing up there because it can. NASCAR actually has some news around it. It has some buzz around it, and it's something that we can enjoy. So in that sense... Well, sports might be back, even though it's not many and certainly doesn't look like what we thought it might. So I feel like that's useful for what I set up to this point. Secondly, I want to take a little bit of time off to figure out where we're going with this moving forward. Again, I said the finale of season one, because this is not the end of Brett's play-by-playlist. Far from it. I want this to be something that chronicles stories of our lives moving forward in various eras of our life as long as we can do this music does that so well and i want to continue to bring these stories to you hopefully they have meant as much to you as they have to me even when we're out of this pandemic i don't know what it's going to look like but something that ties sports music life stories all together that's what this is all about and so certainly i imagine that we will continue this even before let's say college athletics if they get back in this fall and i do have a job again at that point Even before then, I anticipate this picking back up because obviously we are nowhere close to normal lives and there's still so much to be extracted from what we are going through right now. And I want to do that. And hopefully, uh, again, it helps you as well. So I want to just take a little bit of time off, think about that, figure out what the theme, if you will, of the next season will be. Will it be one song a day? Will it be just one song per episode? I don't entirely know. Whatever it will be, of course, it is called Brett's play-by-play list after all. So whatever it is, we will be talking about music and those songs will be into a new Spotify playlist, which I intend to call Brett's play-by-play list volume two something. 
We'll see what the theme is. Of course, as I said, COVID-19 Sports Hiatus is the title of Volume 1. And again, you can find that playlist with all of these songs that I've been building one a day since March 14th at Taking It All In 1317 on Spotify. So I'm excited for what that can be. But again, at this point, I'm imagining the next episode will be the finale of Season 1, and we'll see where we go from there. So I hope you'll join me once again for that. And if you haven't listened to any previous episodes, would greatly appreciate your taking some time to peruse the other episodes on whatever platform you're listening to. We've had a lot of great guests with some wonderful stories to tell, very insightful perspectives on music and life. And it's been a lot of fun putting these together. Whether it's season one, season two, spring, summer, whatever season we are in right now, I'll just say this. Let's cultivate it and let it be a season of love. Thanks again for listening. I'm Brett Williams, and we'll talk to you again next week. In the meantime, as always, stay safe and stay together.